Thank you for joining me for Church Online. So in this series, we're telling the story of people whose God-fueled faith propels them to live a meaningful life. Each person's story and place in history is different, but they all experience the truth that God meets us where we are before sending us on a great mission. The usual response is worship as we finally encounter God, and God almost always involves others in our transformation process. And alongside the series, we've been trying to help you to understand our new way of thinking strategically about making disciples. We're using this tool we've developed called the Discipleship Pathway. And we hope that you're able to find yourself on the pathway and take steps of faith to become reproducing disciples who are experiencing the peace of life with Jesus. If you want to hear more about this, go to March 28th at podcast.neartownchurch.org, find the sermon, and near the end, I explain it in greater detail. For those of you who are attending regularly, but not yet members of Neartown, or as we call members, mission partners, I want to ask you to go to neartownchurch.org and watch Discover Neartown 1. This is your next step in the discipleship pathway. So today I'm going to tell you the story of Deborah. She is a powerful, godly leader whose life is a meaningful part of God's redemptive plan. Maybe you've heard a sermon about Deborah. I have heard and read multiple sermons about her life, and more often than not, the point of the sermon is about how a woman steps up to lead when men won't. Or I've heard it given with a heavy emphasis on Deborah supporting the men who lead. I'm going to be honest. I feel a little ache in my heart as I think about this kind of teaching. So I want you to know from the beginning that women are called and commissioned by God, just like men, to participate in important roles when they know and love God, not just when men won't step up and lead. We have so many naturally brilliant and supremely gifted godly women in this church, and I want you to see yourselves as equally important in worth to what God is doing through our people in this city. For the people in the back, let me repeat what I just said so I'm clear. I want everyone listening to know I see the ladies as valuable to what God is doing through our people in the city. I'm not saying that men are not meant to lead in the church and in their homes, but I want every person listening to grow in belief that women can and should be in places of influence in every area of society, not the least of which is in the local church. I do not believe strong women abdicate men's unique role. In fact, strong women help us all to become more effective in accomplishing the mission of inviting busy people to experience the peace of life with Jesus. So with that in mind, let me take you to Judges chapter 4. Here's what it says. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud, who was a judge, also died. And the Lord sold them to the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in some place I can't pronounce. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. So let me give you a little bit of context as we're diving in. Israel is God's chosen people. God first makes a promise to Abraham that his descendants would become a great nation. After the people grow a great number, they're living as slaves in Egypt, and God raises up Moses to deliver them in an event called the Exodus. So after leaving Egypt, they make their way past Mount Sinai where God gives them the law. The law includes the Ten Commandments and other laws to establish their worship and daily life. The agreement between God and the people is that if they obey the law, they'll be blessed. So they wander around in the wilderness for a time with some success and failures at obeying the law. And eventually they enter a promised land. 
The book of Judges tells the story of Israel in this promised land after Moses and before their first appointed king. This is all happening in the early 14th century BC. And what we see in Judges is that the pattern of Israel's behavior is this. The people rebelled through idolatry and disbelief, so God brought judgment through foreign oppression. God disciplines them for following other gods, disobeying his sacrificial laws, engaging in blatant morality, and descending into anarchy at times. Yet because they were his chosen people, he listened to their cries for mercy and raised up leaders to deliver them. So these deliverers or judges like Gideon, Samson, Ehud, and Deborah, they called the people to repent and turn back to God. And each time they did for a period, but when the people fell back into sin, the cycle started all over again. So I'll read again verse 1 of chapter 4. And the people of Israel did again what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, let me pause here to make one point that seems obvious, but I need to say. God pays attention to how people live. Like your life matters to God. Our lives together matter to God. I know some people who can admit that a higher power exists, but have no real sense that God cares anything about what's happening in our daily lives. But we see throughout scripture that God involves himself in what happens each day of our lives. And when there is repeated, ongoing rebellion, God will let people experience the inevitable results of their sin. I've talked so many times with people whose lives are a mess because of their own sinful choices, and they wonder why God is letting them suffer. I'm like, uh, God gave you what you want, control of your own life without obedience to his commands. And you're experiencing what happens when you try to be your own God. You are not good at being God. See, God prescribes a way of living not to punish us, but to point us in the direction of a meaningful life. Now, before I get back to the story of Deborah, let me fast forward to the life of Jesus. This is so important because what we're learning from Israel is that a list of rules is never enough to make us righteous people. We will all, like Israel, disobey God, and we all deserve judgment because of it. But God makes a way for our sin to be forgiven. This is such good news. God became flesh as the man we call Jesus to fulfill the law and pay a sacrifice for our sins. And when we unite ourselves to Jesus, we're born again into a new life, freed from the power of sin and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live within the boundaries God establishes for our good and for his glory. If you've never crossed the line of faith, I invite you to pause right now in prayer and ask God to forgive your sin and believe that Jesus died so you can be reconciled to God. Okay, so let's look again at Judges chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from this point forward from the New Living Translation of the Hebrew text. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. So Deborah is a judge at this point about 200 years after the Exodus. I want you to notice that Deborah is already in a position of leadership when we first read about her in the story. We don't know anything about what led to this point, but we can assume God gave her enough life experience to prepare her for this moment in recorded history. She is ready for this assignment from God. She is a called prophet and acts as a judge. This implies that she is filled with the Spirit of God. She is a godly woman, ready when called upon to act in faith. This is why God has given her this place of influence. No doubt she had natural gifts as a leader, but her dependence on God in this position made her the kind of person that others, including men, look to for wisdom on important matters of daily life. We had all to strive to find strength, not from within, but from God, like Deborah did. 
And we trust that he will put us in a place to fill a greater purpose. I do see a lot of striving for power and posturing for influence. But if it's not given by God, then it'll only lead to burnout. To be truly influential like Deborah, your power must come from God. Okay, so pick up again in verse 6. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoim, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. So as judging leader of Israel, Deborah is called by God to prepare Israel for a battle. God is answering their cry for deliverance from the suffering they brought on themselves. She tells Barak to get Israel's troop ready, and then she knows that God's going to draw Jabin's army to do battle. You should know Jabin's army is much larger and more powerful than Israel's army. This is important because it seems unwise for Israel to willfully enter a battle against them. Like Barak, you'd be hesitant to walk into the battle. But Deborah does not shrink back because she believes in the power of God. Anytime I see this remarkable kind of faith, I wonder how a person gets it. We know in part that God grants it to us, but we can also conclude that as a person more clearly sees God, the result is extraordinary faith. It is about the source of faith, and that source must become God's power. The Bible's filled with stories of people who others might see as weak becoming strong as they eagerly pursue God. The same is true for you. You might ask, well, how is victory possible? And you may need your strength your faith to be strengthened, or you're going to cower in fear. If you want your faith to be strengthened, you must take responsibility for getting to know God. We do this by diligent study of his word. We learn by listening to what others teach from the Bible, but we must also take responsibility for our own growth by spending daily time reading God's word to better know him. As you learn of his power, you will walk confidently into any battle that God leads you into, knowing that he will bring the results that you most need. It seems that Barak's faith is not yet what Deborah's is, which is why he agrees to the battle on one condition. Look at verse 8. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you'll go with me. It's an unfitting response to the command of God to go. So Deborah tells Barak that his conditional acceptance of God's command will diminish his reward for victory. Verse 9. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture. This is a big deal, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. At Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. So three times in this passage, we read that Deborah joined Barak for battle. She says, I will go with you. We then read, Deborah went with Barak, or Barak, and then again, Deborah also went with him. So I, I think that God wants us to see that Deborah's with him. Why? Well, her presence brings with it the power of God to give victory over others. This is also why Barak agreed to lead the army on the condition that she join him. So this brings to mind the question, does our presence bring with it confidence for others that God is powerful? Does what we say and how we live give others a sense that God is presently working in the world? We admire the position of influence Deborah has, but it's not about her force of personality or fight for equity. Instead, her presence is made powerful by the Spirit of God. And when others are around her, they gain confidence that God is still working His good and perfect plans. 
This certainly can apply to your role as a leader, but you don't have to be leading a lot of people to be this kind of a person. You get the opportunity most days to exhibit to others the very real presence of a powerful God. It's done in how you respond to a difficult work situation. It's done by how you talk to or about others. It's done in how you share your thoughts about politics, race, and this virus. It is done with how you listen to others who will share their needs, concerns, and hurts. You can build for others' confidence in the power of God to be present in their battles. And it all starts with you developing a vibrant relationship with God by your study of His Word to get to know Him. Over time, the presence of God within you will become the presence of God to others, and you will get to call people to walk in faith. Look at verse 14. And Deborah says to Barak, Up! For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? I love how she so boldly calls people into action with a trust that the Lord is already working towards a victory. I pray that God will raise up more leaders like this in our church. In our day, and I'm speaking generally about the Christian church, we have many people who quietly sit back, unwilling to commit to leading others. Let me ask you a question. Would you be where you are in faith if no one took the time to speak into your life? Did you have a youth group leader, a pastor, an older Christian friend that helped you to know and love God? I promise you, they could have spent their time on other things. We're begging God for people whose God-inspired faith compels them to lovingly speak into the lives of others. I'm inviting you to lead a mentor group, a loop group, a justice initiative, a Kid City class, a Sunday team, and any of our other discipleship vehicles we provide as a church. And great leadership happens when people grow in love for God by studying his word to learn more of his power. Let's get back to verse 14. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. The story goes that Sisera runs and Barak gives chase to kill him. But like Deborah said, Sisera is killed by a woman while he sleeps. You can read it for yourself, but what we see is that Deborah's promise that Barak would not be the one to kill Sisera comes to pass. And this is important, no doubt, because it builds in faith Barak that God will do what he says will be done. In fact, Barak is referenced in Hebrews chapter 11 as a person who has great faith in God. So there you have it, the story of Deborah, the judge whose faith in God results in deliverance of Israel. And we now know that her bold leadership results in an even greater faith in another person. Barak now sees firsthand that God is powerful and fulfills his promise. I hope this stirs your own heart with faith in the power of God. And I want to call you to action. Will you commit anew to getting to know God by studying his word? You can find resources to help you do this on our website by clicking the About tab where you'll find our equipping classes. This is a first step towards great faith. If you do not, your faith will remain small and you'll never get to experience the joy of victory. If you do, you'll become a person whose faith encourages those with less faith to believe God can do great things. And when we see God do great things, we will all worship. So I want to end by showing you that just after this remarkable victory led by Deborah and participated in by the people of Israel, there is exuberant worship. It is all of chapter 5 in Judges, but I only have time to share with you the last line of this song. Look at verse 31 of chapter 5. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. So chapter 5 is 31 verses of worship that recounts how God led Israel in victory over an enemy. And this is exactly what happens when faithful people walk boldly with God through battles, 
We worship. We sing songs to God that tell the story of his great power. And it all started with one woman whose well-tested faith in God gave her the confidence to call others to believe God is always working to deliver his people. I've already called you to commit yourself to the diligent study of God's word as a first step to increase faith. And for those who do, I call you to consider the victories that stir in you authentic worship. Think back on the times you've seen God give you victory in battle. I've also called upon some of you to step in leading those whose faith need development. So how will you respond? When you respond and you see God's power give victory in battles, what you will do is worship Almighty God. Let's think on and pray about these things.